Hello everyone, I'm Frank Rock. Welcome to From the Hacks, Waking Up with the Briar. On today's episode, we welcome Olympic gold medalist Ryan Fry, whose team Ontario is currently 3-1 and tied for second in Pool B at the 2021 Tim Hortons Briar. My other guest today is two-time Scottish champion Brianne Maillard of Team Anderson. My first guest tonight is Ryan Fry, who is the third for Team Epping, representing Ontario at the 2021 Briar. Ryan and I talked about bubble life, about his team's solid start in Calgary, and about what they will need to do or to focus on in order to remain in the mix for next Sunday's playoffs. All right, Ryan, let's start with a question I've been asking many of my guests on this, the uh, Waking Up With the uh, Briar uh, series. What is your go-to beverage in the morning to help Ryan Fry get your day off on the right foot? About a liter of water. Is what I start my day with. Ryan, we're recording this interview on International Women's Day, uh, so feel free to shout out any of the women in your life. Obviously, my wife, Jessica, uh, my mom, my mother-in-law, Elizabeth, and uh, I'll throw a shout-out to Emma Miskew, who's my mixed doubles partner, who's patiently awaiting getting to the bubble. Happy Women's Day to all of you. Now, the men in the Briar field had the advantage of entering the bubble after the women had played in the Scotties, and I know they dealt, at least the women did, with a lot of tweaks to the protocols, the rules, etc., during Scotties week. I'm just wondering how the bubble has been for you and the guys so far, and whether you've been surprised by anything. Uh, no, I've, it's, been, it's been pretty seamless. I think that the, the Curling Canada and everyone were able to iron out any, any kinks before we got here, so we were definitely at a bit of an advantage coming in. Um, just getting used to uh, the food and how to get the healthy food that you need and not be ordering in junk food all the time is probably the hardest uh, part of it right now. But um, aside from aside from trying to maintain some sort of a healthy diet, that's really the only hard part that I've found. Now, at this point during Scotty's week, it seemed like half the women just loved the ice, while the other half were still trying to figure it out. Where are you in the team when it comes to the ice so far this week? Do you feel like you have a good read on it, or is it still a work in progress at this point? Oh, there's, there's still work to do. It's, it's an ongoing process. Um, the ice is, you know, the ice in any building like that, like Greg and uh, Greg Owasco and John Wall are doing a phenomenal job. The amount of uh, work that they've been expected to or been asked to do over the last, you know, few weeks to a month is is extraordinary to say the least. So, um, you know, we're getting used to it. We're getting used to the rocks. Uh, there's a, you know, there's a couple of rocks here and there that um, change with the different ice uh, surfaces, which is, you know, it's very, very minuscule changes on the ice, but it'll have a little effect on the rocks, changes the speeds a little bit. So, um, you know, more than anything, it's something for us to blame our uh, misses on than anything else. But, you know, for, for us, it's, it's an ongoing process, it's, and that's the case with any event that we play in. You have, to, you have to learn the ice, and you have to learn the rocks, and you have to do that better than your competitors if you want to win. Now, your team started the week with a loss at Team Canada, and then you found yourselves down 3-1 in the second half of your game against Saskatchewan, only to come back and win with steals in the final three ends. We may not know the definitive answer to this until the end of the Briar, Ryan, but how critical was that comeback versus Saskatchewan, which kept your team from falling to 0-2? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very huge. Um, you know, the, when you're playing in an event with a field this deep and you can really only afford you know, three losses, four at the most. Um, any any win, no matter 
whether you're playing Saskatchewan, Team Canada, or or none of it, you have to get those you have to get those uh, wins in the in the right column, or else uh, you're going to be trailing, and it, you're, it's going to be a full uphill battle as you're getting uh, tougher and tougher competition as the event goes on. So, you know, we 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 were lucky in that game, I think, to say the least. They, we had a little bit of a we had a little a few breaks from their team missing some shots that they wouldn't ordinarily miss. So we'll take that and. I think that we've been able to run with a little bit of momentum now um, with that break, and now we're going into. Uh, it's nice to have a little day off here, and then we go into some, you know, tough games going in to finish out this first part of the round robin. So hopefully, we can just get as many wins going into that championships pool as possible. When we spoke before the Briar, you mentioned that every team that wins the Briar ends up getting some lucky breaks along the way during Briar Week. Now, your team got a couple of unexpected breaks against Team Dunstone of Saskatchewan. Is that potentially a good omen for you and the team winning a game you likely should have lost? Perhaps a sign that you might be on the right side of the inch this week as you work your way through the round robin and the championship pool? Yeah, it, it's you know you you're you're thankful for every for every win you can get in a in a field like this, and if you ask. You know, the majority of teams at the end of this week, every single team is going to say to them that they won a game that they probably shouldn't have. Um, you know, you look at you look at a game like against Northern Ontario and Northwest Territories. Northwest Territories, if they made a few more shots down the stretch, could have could have snuck that victory out. So there's there's a ton of there's a ton of games, uh, and you know, everyone's going to have their own story at the end of this game. But you know, if we ultimately are able to come out of this and win it, that game against the Saskatchewan is definitely going to be something that we can call a springboard of you know where momentum sort of started changing to our favor. But it's also a long, long way down the road. We have uh, we have a ton of games left, and uh, right now we're just trying to take it one game at a time. How would you characterize the level of play across the board right now, Ryan, as the midway point of the round robin is upon us? Has it been improving as the week has progressed, and, and were you perhaps surprised at the level of play early on in the week? I, I think you're going to get your – it's very highly skilled athletes for the most part in this event. Um, you know, they've, we've been playing the sports. There's, there's not a ton of rookies in this field. Um, especially if you're talking the top, you know, eight to ten teams. Um, so I expect it to be very good. Once you're going to get the thing you're going to get with having, um, you know, not had the the amount of reps and the amount of games that you normally have is you're going to have some misses that uh, kind of come out of nowhere where you're just you just didn't have the, you know, ability to fix uh, a poor delivery or sliding off line. So I think that that's going to be the biggest thing is to limit how many of those big misses you have. Um, and I know that's something that we're focusing on. And I know I remember Brad saying after uh, the first game against us is they had a game where they didn't make every shot, but they got something out of every shot. And that I think that that's something that our team is taking forward as well. Is we're just we're trying to get something out of every shot, and hopefully those, you know, you add up all those somethings at the end of the game, and it's enough to win. It certainly looks like the Briar Week is going to be a grind with several good teams bunched together in the standings. How much will your team lean on the experience that you've had, be it at the Olympics, the Olympic trials, and previous Briars, to help you work your way through a week where the mental grind will be as much of a factor as a physical grind? Obviously, like every every game that we play on, the, we, we lean on the experience um, that we've built throughout the year. That's part of, you know, that's how you mature as an athlete. So we're definitely taking what we've learned and hopefully hopefully applying it. It's it it's hard it's hard to it's hard to say when you get out there and you get because until you get into that situation where you're you know in a really tight game against a really tough competitor, um, you don't know because we haven't been we've been battle tested in the past but we haven't been battle tested in the last year. So, 
it's going to be it's going to be a learning process what's we're in there and i think that that's what all of us are looking so forward to is that competition because we all and ultimately are all competitors that are playing in this thing and i think that's one of the biggest parts of being able to um play in a briar um under these circumstances is just we've been so uh, deprived of competition that it's, it's nice to be out there and, you know, really test yourself against some of the best teams in the world. In your game against Nunavut, Ryan, you scored multiple points in seven of the eight ends that were played. Now, I don't want to open up a can of worms with regards to the Briar format, but at the very least, should they at least allow teams to shake quicker than after eight ends when a game is that far out of hand? Yeah, I, I think that I think that we're kind of at a crossroads now, Frank, to be honest with you. I think that, um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of analyzing going on from players and from the governing body, and I think that we're all just trying to get, you know, a format and a system that is, you know, very consistent and something that benefits, you know, all the all the competitors and the people who want to be competing. So um, I don't think we're quite there yet as far as the format and the way that uh, our national should be run. But you know, I think that everyone's working together, and hopefully, you know, in the next year or the next quadrennial we'll be able to come up with a format that you know better suits the type of the type of competition that we want to have going forward as we speak ryan your team is three and one what grade would you give your team so far and how much do you need to improve if you're going to position yourselves to be in the mix come to playoffs next sunday Oh, we're we're still far away from that, Frank. We're we're like I said, we're we're pretty we're pretty fortunate to be three and one right now. Um, you know, we're we're lucky that we get to stay off and we get to do a little uh, self reflection and little analyzation of what's been going on over the last four games. Um, but if I were to give us a grade right now, I'd probably give us about a you know C plus. And to win this thing, you're going to have to be around an A plus. So we've got some work to do and. But, you know, I think we're all up for the challenge, and that's, again, why we're here. We're here to test ourselves against the best, and, you know, if we're going to end up at top, we're definitely going to have to improve on what we've brought so far. But I think as a team, we're, you know, we're very much up for, for the challenge. And finally, Ryan, one cool thing about all of the elite curlers that I've met is that you're also very big fans of the sport, above and beyond your own team. How fun is it for you to see a guy like Greg Smith of Newfoundland and Labrador make the kind of shot he made versus Nova Scotia on Sunday evening that had the curling community going a little nuts on social media platforms? Oh, yeah, as long as they're not being made against me, I love them. <laughs> but, uh, no, that Greg, Greg's one of the great guys for the sport, Um you know he's got a he's got a great flair out there, and you know he brings a lot of uh, a lot of energy, and he, he can tell how much he loves the game. So to see see some of the guys out there like that that are, you know, give their give so much blood, sweat, and tears to the sport, and to see them get some recognition for how talented they are, it's it's awesome. I, I enjoy it, and you know I hope I hope there's many more to come through the next uh, six days or so. In dry aid action, Alberta's Brennan Botcher got to play one of his childhood idols at the Briar, coming out with a well-earned 5-3 win over Wayne Madaw and wildcard Team Howard. After the game, Team Botcher's Karak Martin and Brendan Botcher spoke about facing Wayne Madaw at a Briar. We probably have two little different answers. We got to play with him uh, at the Players' Championship, and for me, he was definitely uh, one of my idols growing up. I loved watching him and Dad fight it out so uh it's always fun playing them and it's good to get another w on them yeah and i, I would uh echo what kark said i thought it was really neat um you know a guy when i was just getting into curling uh, he was winning briars and it's pretty neat to have come to a place where now we're both playing to against each other in a briar he also threw some curveballs at us i'd say in that game he 
played some shots that not a lot of their guys would have called, and that was pretty unique too. Another draw eight action, BC got their first win, defeating UConn by a score of 9-2, while Team Gunlickson won a Battle of Manitoba over Team McEwen by a score of 8-5. Team Manitoba remains undefeated at 3-0, while wildcard Team McEwen drops to 2-2. And finally, in draw eight action, New Brunswick continued their excellent play with a 76 win over Northern Ontario. James Grattan and his team from Oromocto moved to three and one, while Team Jacobs of Sault Ste. Marie dropped to two and two. After the game, New Brunswick lead Jamie Brandon spoke about how the team approaches each of their games to ensure that they don't look past any lower ranked opponents after a couple of upset wins in the first half of the round robin. Now, we talk a lot, a lot about just uh, not playing to the team that we're playing against, and uh, just as everybody does. And uh, but we talk a lot about that, just going out, playing one shot at a time. And I know it's cliche, but when you talk about it a lot and you actually you actually do it. So that's that's kind of the main thing for us. Just keep doing that same thing over and over again and uh, trying to get the same results. In draw nine action, Newfoundland and Labrador got their first win of the 2021 Briar, 11-7 over PEI. After the game, Greg Smith and Greg Blyde spoke about their coach, Leslie Ann Walsh, on this International Women's Day. Absolutely incredible. She is a fantastic coach. She's added so much to us as a team um, and really in our development and in making the small things right, keeping us loose. She's a tremendous coach on all different nationals she's been to representing Newfoundland and Labrador as a player, as a coach, and uh, she's certainly one of the best coaches this country has. She really is. She makes us better players and people every day. In other action, in draw nine, wildcard team Cooey remained unbeaten for the week with an 11-3 win over Nunavut, while Nova Scotia defeated Quebec 9-6. Both teams are now 3-2 for the week. And finally, in draw nine, Saskatchewan's team Dunstone got some long-awaited revenge over Team Canada, who had defeated them in last year's Briar semifinal, defeating Team Gushu by a score of 6-5. After the game, Skip Matt Dunstone explained the strategy behind giving up a steal of one in the ninth to tie the game while retaining Hammer for the tenth. Um, we, we gave him a steal for a reason, and um, we, we knew we were going to have a shot. You know, it just kind of simplifies things in that 10th end. Um, five rock ruled two up. It gets gets a little messy, gets a little dicey, and, you know, we give him that steal in, in nine. The, the odds of us having a shot to win the game are, are very good. So um, that's, that's kind of why we went that route. My second and final guest today is Brienne Mayer, the lead for Team Anderson, who just won their second consecutive Scotties and will represent Canada at the upcoming World Championships in early May. So, Brianne, what is your go-to beverage in the morning to help you get your day off on the right foot? I don't drink coffee or tea, so uh, I don't really have, I guess, water would be my beverage of choice during competition. Yeah, I pretty much just drink water 24-7. When I was younger, I barely drank water, and then I made that switch, and now water just seems to be my go-to, other than uh, I'll have Pepsi sometimes or Coke, but... Or Orange Crush, it's a weird choice, but I love it. <laughs> but other than that, just water is my go-to. Now, you're fresh off winning your second consecutive Scotty's title. The two were similar in ways, but very different in others, uh, particularly because it was much quieter this year with no fans to react to all the makes and the misses in the final. So tell me about winning that second Scotty's and how it compared to the first one. Yeah, um, the first one is always super special, and I hear that from everyone who's won that. And it is, Um the first one was super special. We, we got the, um, having our family there was awesome and just the atmosphere, lots of cheering, lots of the crowd. Awesome. Um, the second one was 
also special, but just in a different way. Atmosphere was different. It was way more quiet, but it kind of just feels like you're playing in a curling club or um, one of those events. So it wasn't too different from what we're used to on the tour every once in a while. Um, So yeah, it, it was special in its own way. And when they put our families up on the screen there and they had them showing that actually was really special for us. Kind of just made me uh, remember that they are watching, (laughs) even though we don't see them, but uh, yeah, so that was cool. And yeah, it was a short lived celebration at the end. Most of our celebrating was in the hotel room together afterwards, um, socially distanced, of course, but having some fun. And, but other than that, yeah, it was similar, but different. You know, without all the typical pregame ceremonies and, of course, without anyone in the stands, did it even feel like a Scotty's final, uh, Brienne? Did you almost have to remind yourselves at times that uh, you were competing for a national title? Because it was certainly a much different ambiance than for a typical Scotty's final, even for those of us that were watching on TV. Yeah, um, I think it still felt like a final. I think we just felt a little more relaxed and um, confident and just used, more used to the experience the second time around. So that's why it wasn't as nerve wracking. Like I was saying to the girls before we played, I was like, I am like a hundred times better <laughs> mentally right now than I was before last year's final. Just so, so wound up last year. Cause it was our first time big deal. And the second time it was just nice to have more reassurance and just relaxation. And we had been working on that the whole event, just being more open with each other and not getting wound up about stuff we can't control or a miss. And so I think we carried that through to the final and it really helped going into the game, just feeling relaxed and ready to play. The biggest perk of winning the Scotties is typically that you get to represent Canada at the World Championships. Now, your team got robbed of that opportunity by COVID-19 last season. I realized that there were much bigger things going on in the world and in Canada at the time, but it still must have been crushing not to get to wear that maple leaf at the Worlds. Oh, yeah, it was it was heartbreaking. Just so much anticipation for that event and feeling so ready and wanting to keep continue our role and then getting it taken away, it was really hard. And we totally understood the circumstances and why it w- why it happened, but it was really hard to take at that time. It took a little time to get over it. Um, so then going into this one, we didn't think there would be a Worlds again. And we're really thankful that there is. I, I find myself holding back a little and not trying to get my hopes up just in case something like that happens again. But just to know that it's scheduled and they're wanting to go ahead with it and it really means a lot and we can't wait to actually wear our uh, world's Canadian jerseys on the stage and play like we can hopefully go on the podium and make Canada proud. You just raised a good point, uh, Brianne. To win the Scotties, you have to be in a groove. And in a normal year, Team Canada typically carries that groove forward to the World Championships. This year, the Worlds are taking place some two months after the Scotties. Now, I understand that bakers can't be choosers, but that said, would you have preferred to play the Women's Worlds a few weeks after the Scotties the way they usually do as opposed to waiting a couple of months? Um, I think this year, and this might just be my opinion, but I think my team is okay with waiting on the Worlds this time around. Um, we weren't playing as great as we would have liked in the Scotties, and I'm sure every team that played in the Scotties would say the same. Like, it's really hard going in with not a, as much preparation as you're used to. Um, so we're taking advantage of these extra spiels and time on the ice that we can get before we go into the Worlds. 
And we're really excited to get those opportunities so that we can do our best that we can at the Worlds because there is a lot riding on it this year. And we really want to take home that Olympic berth for Canada. So we want to make sure we're the most ready. And I think that's why having it a little later this time around isn't such a bad thing. After your second game of the round robin at the Scotties, I asked you during the media scrum whether you were a little gassed after those two games because sweeping is a hard thing to replicate in training. At that time, you gave me the standard answer that elite athletes will give mid-competition, said you were feeling fine, that you felt strong, and that you were ready for the next game. Now that the Scotties are over, just how gassed were you after those first two games following a year of basically no sweeping at all? Oh my gosh, I was dying. (laughs) Especially the first couple games uh, definitely took a while to get that back. I was breathing heavy and I could hear myself breathing because it was so quiet. And um, so the recovery time got a lot shorter after those first couple days, which was nice. I'd breathe heavy, but not for as long going into the next shot. So yeah, I came back, but it definitely took a little bit of time and as we expected. But yeah, it, it was a tough beginning. <laughs> When I interviewed your skip last week, Carrie Innocent, uh, she referred to you as a badass because she said your hand was bleeding at one point early in the Scotties and it got all over your shirt, but you kept sweeping like everything was good. What was going on with your hand? I get a bunch of blisters on my left hand because I don't like wearing a glove on it. So my right hand is impeccable. It's great shape, but (laughs) my left hand, uh, I get a lot of blisters on it. And usually these are come and gone by now, but by the Scotties, but since this was the first time, event we played uh they all came at once so I had a couple that were bleeding during games and they'd get on my shirt and I had to I'm talking uh strategy and ice with Shannon and she I see her keep looking down on my shirt one of the games that it got a little messy and I had to keep being like Shannon don't look there look at me you're making me uncomfortable (laughs) because I couldn't do anything about it but Um, Yeah, after that, I wore a Band-Aid on the one that kept opening again, and it was no problem. But yeah, definitely different having those beginning of the season uh, injuries and getting your hands kind of ready for sweeping during the Scotties. Brienne, the last time you and I spoke for an interview like this was a couple of weeks before the 2017 Olympic pre-trials. What many people forget about that event is that your team lost both the A and B finals, which I'm sure was incredibly disappointing and heartbreaking for you and the other members of your team. Had I told you back then that before the next pre-trials, you would be a two-time Scotties champion, what would you have said to me? Oh my gosh, it's crazy to even think of that. Yeah, I definitely never even had that in my mind that that could happen to me. It's really cool. It's it's like overwhelming almost actually. Um, yeah, I would have never guessed. I, I'm so grateful for the opportunities and the timing and everything that happened to get me to where I am right now. And wow. Yeah, it's crazy how things change. eh? So I've heard versions of this story from both uh, Carrie Anderson and Shannon Burchard, but I'm wondering if you could take me back a couple of years and tell me what you can remember about the process and the few weeks that led up to uh, you becoming a member of Team Anderson. I believe I was um, talking a little bit with Carrie and she had mentioned that she was maybe looking for a change. I was maybe looking for a change. Um, she had mentioned Shannon was maybe looking for a change. So we all were a little bit talking there. Um, we'd all been at the Scotties. We just came home from the Scotties. I was the fifth uh, for Team Canada, who was Englot at the time. And um, Shannon was playing with Jones and Carrie was playing with her team. 
And yeah, so we just started talking and we realized that we had a lot of the same um, goals and work ethic and everything that makes a team work. And um, Carrie had mentioned that she'd also been talking with Val, which was very exciting for me. Because <laughs> just, I don't know, like watching some, um, like Val play on TV before all this and stuff. It's just kind of, it was cool to me to have the opportunity to play with her. And I was blown away that she was interested in playing with us and not really knowing who I was at the time. So yeah, and then we kind of all met and got together and decided if it was our thing or not, are we all good with the positions we're playing, if we potentially were a team and all that. And everyone was super in agreement so quickly. It was, it was awesome. And yeah, we just kind of went from there and the rest is history. <laughs> now, when you're skipping, Brianne, you're involved in every decision that made out on the ice. But when you're the lead, you're not as involved. How much of an adjustment was that for you? Um, I think me and Shannon took to it right away. And it was more natural, I think, for Val and Carrie because they were Val has more say in the house. And um, although it was a hard transition for her as well, there's a lot going on there. <laughs> so she's been taking that on great and Carrie got to play her own position already. So she was good to go. Um, but me and Shannon, yeah, we just uh, kind of, we try to pick and choose when we want to say something and we read off the girls when they want our help and when they don't. And we don't like to be too involved because we like Carrie and Val to do their thing and we trust them out there. So only when we think they could value our opinion do we try to speak up. Otherwise, we keep to ourselves, and that hasn't been too hard. I mean, me and Shannon talk a lot of game strategy, the two of us, so we get that out of our system, just the two of us most of the time. And if they do ask our opinion, we're ready because we've already been talking about it. So, yeah, it actually worked out really well, and we enjoy the positions we're playing, and we don't feel like we're not having enough say. The girls always value our opinions, no matter if we're front end or not. And so that's really nice. And we really value that. But yeah, it's been it's been pretty natural, weirdly enough, even though it wouldn't seem on paper, but it has been. One of the interesting stats about you so far in your career, uh, Brianne, is that uh, you've won uh, the, the Scotties in your first two appearances at the National Championship. Another interesting statistic is that you've now won more National Championships than provincial championships. It's wild. Like to think that I have more Canadian championships than provincial championships. That's just weird, honestly, to think about. I'm so, oh, so thankful, so grateful. Like I can't have enough good words about it and like how excited I am that I get these opportunities. And it's just crazy, honestly. And I hope we keep being good, but <laughs> being good, such a weird thing to say. But, um, but if, even if like things don't go well in the future, like I'll always treasure these moments we've had and these opportunities we've had and um, being a two-time Canadian championship, uh, that'll never get taken away from me. So it's really cool. And I hope we can continue to build on it, but it's really a huge, um, a huge accomplishment, sorry, to have this so far. And finally, Brianne, what is Team Anderson's preparation going to look like in the lead-up to the Women's Worlds? Are you going to be able to spend some time together and get some practice in before heading to those two slams back into the Calgary bubble, which are basically the lead-up to the Women's Worlds now? Yeah, we were talking about that today, actually. We had a team meeting. Um, it's We don't have a ton of time to practice together, unfortunately. We have a lot of turnarounds, quick turnarounds. So we all are playing in mixed doubles um, starting on, oh shoot, I forget what day, but we leave on the 15th of March and we 
all get to play in that. So that's great. So we'll have ice time there. Um, and then when, when us Manitobans come back to Manitoba, we actually have to quarantine for 14 days. So we don't get to do anything when we get home. So that's what I'm in right now as well. So we can't practice or anything. And um, we're not even really, uh, oh, I can't, I can't keep up with the rules, but I don't think we're allowed to practice at all right now. Or I don't know. <laughs> I just know I'm supposed to stay home. <laughs> and Val's ice, um, she doesn't really have anything near her. She doesn't have to quarantine, which is nice, but uh, she doesn't have a lot of options herself either. either. So we're really excited to play in these mixed doubles to get some ice time. And then we are going home for a couple of weeks and likely won't get to practice again but then we get to play on those two slams together and have some ice time again so and then that goes right into world so that's pretty much the preparation we get we might get to practice a bit as a team after mixed doubles since we're all there already but we don't know yet we still have to figure that out so yeah we're just kind of going with the flow not getting too stressed about it but it's nice that we actually get to play games and have that time together And that does it for this episode of Waking Up with the Briar. Join us tomorrow for more recaps, interviews, and insights from the 2021 Tim Hortons Briar in Calgary.